Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Great. Well, obviously uh, now the summer holidays are, uh, are over and um, we've still got nice weather, but the sort of holiday time's over. This is the first Sunday where we're just going to begin to kind of really launch into this next season of what God wants to do. Uh, not just say to us, but what he wants to do uh, amongst us. And we've obviously had prophetic words over the last, during this year, uh, about God doing something totally new, about one door closing in kingdom faith and a much larger door opening and a sense of being right on the edge or the threshold of kind of God's opened a door, we're on the threshold and we're kind of stepping into something new and a greater release. We've been running with that, the word this year of breakthrough and break out and the importance of that not just happening around us, but there's breakthrough and a breaking out of who God is in us because we don't see anything happening on the outside of our lives unless it's happening on the, the inside of, uh, of who we are. And uh, just praying into this autumn season, we're going to kind of focus uh, really around living like Jesus. How many of you know that the world needs Jesus? Yeah. And just kind of say that's our kind of overall theme for the next few months, living like Jesus. You say, well, that's a bit obvious. Isn't that what we're, isn't that what we're all about anyway? But I believe there's some really specific things that, that God wants to speak to us about and, and work in our lives as we are reaching out to the world, friends, neighbours, work colleagues, whoever that is. And <clears throat> whenever God speaks in a specific way, it's because he wants to reveal more of who he is in our lives. God doesn't just want to build knowledge into our heads. He wants to reveal more of who he is into our hearts and lives so that we live like Jesus. The word Christian means to be little Christ and to be Christ-like. And when, you, when God speaks to us or when we hear messages, sometimes we can take that and say, right, I've got to go and do this now or I've got to go and do that now. And it's easy to, to take that on in your own strength and say, right, I need to change or I need to cause this change in my life or whatever. But actually everything that God says in us, he then works in us by his Holy Spirit. But what we do is we cooperate with him and allow him to do the work that he wants to do in us. We allow the word to do that work. We allow the Holy Spirit to do it. But, so we have to engage our heart and our will with God. But we, but we can't necessarily just walk away and make those changes ourselves. We work with the Holy Spirit in order for him to work the nature and the character of Jesus in us in a more life transforming way. And so in John 15, I just want to read this. I'm not going to preach on it. I'm, we're just going to touch on lots of things uh, this morning for a few minutes and then unpack a lot of this over the next few months in terms of how God wants us to live and work and, and, uh, and be in terms of his, his kingdom. So John 15, we're going to change the word remain that is in there or abide or whatever to the word rest because God wants us to live in his rest. Now, we're not going to do a whole great rest message this morning. Um, uh, but God wants us to live in his rest. When we live in that place of rest, then there is a sense of total well-being and peace in our hearts because we're not struggling with ourselves. We're not struggling with others because we're abiding or remaining or resting in who he is in us. Therefore, there's a place of rest that takes place in us. 
And it's really who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, but living in that place of rest. So I just want to read this and then we're going to go into some more kind of specific things, okay? So Jesus says here, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that in so that uh, it will be even more fruitful. So we might be living personally and corporately in a certain level of fruitfulness at this moment. But God wants to increase the fruitfulness. God wants to increase the fruitfulness, right? So in order for fruitfulness to be increased, one of the things that he does is he prunes. Now everybody loves that word prune, don't they? Because it means a cutting back of what is good so that, can, so that something can be even more, even more good is not good English, but so it can be even more fruitful. And so in this season, there is going to be some pruning in terms of what God does in our lives because he's always at work in us. But it's so that there's a greater fruitfulness. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, here we go. Rest in me and I will rest in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, by its own efforts. It must rest in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you rest in me. You, you rest from your own efforts and trying to do stuff. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man or a person rests in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not rest in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Wow, that's quite a strong statement. So if we're not resting in him, but we're trying to do things in our own efforts, the result of that is as good as being thrown out and burnt. It doesn't result in anything. So we want to be in a place of rest with him. Verse 7, if you rest in me and my words rest in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. That's an awesome word, uh, a verse right there. Read that again. If you rest in me and my words rest in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. That's, that's breakthrough there. Rest is not a passive place of inactivity. It is an active place of God's activity in our lives. And so we want to live in this place of rest with him. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now rest in my love. If you obey my commands, you will rest in my love. That's why rest, living in a place of rest with God is not passive, it's active. Resting in God is a place of obedience. God, we, we listen, God speaks, we hear, we respond and then we, we live and we out what God is saying. So he said, if you obey my commands, you will rest in my love, just as I've obeyed my, my father's commands and rest in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. 
You, you are my friends if you do what I command. If we live in this place of rest and we do what God says, this rest is relationship with him, do what he says, then we, we live as friends and we walk as friends with him. No longer does he call us servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. In a place of rest, you know the heart and the will of God. You know what is going on in his heart that he's releasing into your heart. Instead, I've called you to be friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So there's a lot in, in, in those uh, verses. We're not just going to unpack that today. Um, but there's a lot about living in a place of rest. We could get three chairs up here, which I've done before. One chair is when you're unsaved. One is living in the rest. And one is when you're living in self, your own effort. And to, to live in the rest is obviously you need to be born again in terms of living in a place of, of, of oneness with God. But also if we're trying to live in our own efforts, uh, we get frustrated, annoyed, we lose our patience, we, everything kind of goes out the window. And to come back to that place of rest is a constant place of saying, Father, I just submit afresh to you. I surrender afresh to you. I give that thought to you. I give that worry to you, that anxiety to you. Because I don't want to be living here. Because when we live here in a place of self, trying to do it in our own strength, God can speak to us, but all he'll say is come back over here. He won't tell us what to do to go forward there because we'll only try and do it in self, in our own effort. So he always says come back here so that you're in a place to be able to receive and hear and respond to what I'm, I'm saying. Okay, so there's, there's a lot there. But So we want to live in the rest during this autumn because God wants there to be a greater fruitfulness in our lives personally. 1 John 4 verse 17, uh, it says there, if you want to just turn there, I don't know if some of these are coming on the screen today or not, but uh, 1 4 17, Jesus or, or John writes this in the whole context of a relationship of love with, with God and what goes on. But there's a, a little thing in verse 17 that says here, as he is, so are we in this world. How many of you want to live like Jesus? Hopefully, or that's why we're here today, because we want to live like Jesus. We don't want to just hear knowledge about Jesus. We want to know him and then live like him. So what does John say? As believers, we're called, as he is, so are we in this world. The Jesus that people are going to encounter is the one that we are living. For most people, they're going to encounter Jesus through how you and I are in our, in our lives. And therefore... As Christians, little Christ or whatever, living like Jesus, people are going to experience God in different ways through how we are as believers. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we, we, we don't just want to know about him through information. We want to encounter God in a fresh way. We want to encounter Jesus. So there's some questions I'm just going to chuck out now that we want to look at over the next few months in terms of what does God want to say and do in our lives. So if we want to live like Jesus, then therefore we want to speak and act like him. Therefore, how did Jesus think? Because how you think and what's going on in your heart determines then what you say out of your mouth and then how we act in our lives. So how did Jesus think what was going on in his heart 
Therefore, what did he say and then how did he act? It's not just what did he say and what did he do. A lot of the time it's how did he say what he said and how did he do what he did. Three people or two people can be next to each other and say exactly the same thing. And what you'll receive from different people will be determined on how they say what they've just said. So one person can say something that's quite strong and, and comes across quite annoyed, you know, he's a little bit upset and a bit. The, the other person can say exactly the same thing, but with a heart to actually say, this is to really benefit, encouraging you, and I want to help, you know, lift you. And you'll receive one from one person because of how they've said it, but you'll get a, a reaction going off in you because the other person's come with a bit of angst or a bit of this, that, or the other. And so we don't just want to know what did he say, but how did Jesus say what he said? How did he do what he did? Because when we're out there, there's a lot of words and there's a lot of things that are being said. But it's how we are in this world because it says here, as he is, so are we in this world. It's not just what he said we say in this world. It's how he was in what he said and how he acted. Then to follow that on, if, we, if we're going to understand how did he speak and how did he act and, and everything, then we want to know what was his relationship like with the Father? How did he know the Father? How did he model relationship with the Father? And from that, there's various things that then flow from his relationship with the Father. How then did he relate to other people? How did he relate to the disciples and the followers? How did he relate to those that were around him that were with him? So as well as encountering Jesus in a fresh way. We want to not just know how he relates to the Father, but we want the same kind of relationship with the Father that Jesus had. Is that possible? It's possible because we have the same Holy Spirit in us that Jesus had in his life. And he lived dependent on the Holy Spirit in his life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us, teach us and show us how to live dependent on him so that we can have relationship with the Father in the same way that Jesus had. Why? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. What does the world need to encounter? They need to encounter Jesus so they can then obviously know Jesus, but also the Father. Why? Because God wants us to be like him. He wants people to be like him. God is holy, we are not. And so in order to have a relationship with the Father, he needs to make us holy to be like him so that we can know him. The cross and everything Jesus did on the cross opened up the way so that the power of sin could be broken, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could then come through that new open and living way to actually know Jesus and then know the Father. Because instead of being unworthy and unholy, he now makes us worthy and holy to have relationship with him. Why? Because one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to come for a spotless bride. And he's going to come for a people that are seeking to live like Jesus, wanting to know the Father, wanting to live holy and wanting to live worthy in the way that God has called us to be in this world. So as well as living that now, there's also an eternal reason why we want to live like that because Jesus is coming back for a, a, a spotless bride. So how did Jesus relate to the disciples and followers? How did he relate to the crowds, to the unsaved people? It's not just what did he say to them, but how did he 
relate to them? How was he when he was with them? What was his heart like? What was going on in him? The religious people, how did he relate to the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day? What is religion? Religion is outward actions with no inner reality. Now, none of us want to live like that, do we? Hopefully not. Uh, you know, and so how did Jesus relate to the religious people? Okay, what did he do? How did he handle religion so he didn't come under it? How did he relate to the sick and the oppressed? How did he treat the poor and needy? When he was persecuted and opposed, how was Jesus? Because if we want to live like Jesus, we're going to experience different things at different moments in any given day through different people. And when, when we have embedded into who we are, this is who Jesus is. This is how he was. One, because we're encountering him and allowing him to encounter us. And, and two, because we're seeking to live like him. So one minute you're with believers and iron sharpens iron. We're encouraging each other. Next minute we're with people that don't know Christ. And how do we relate to them? How do we love them? How are we gracious, merciful, compassionate towards them. Then suddenly we're with religious people uh, for whatever reason or somebody that might not necessarily believe but they have all the outward actions but no inner reality. How are we with those people? How are we with people that reject the gospel or reject us? Do we then reject them and say, well, stuff you? Or That's a polite way of putting it. And, uh, or, or do we say, no, actually, just because they're rejecting me or persecuting me or giving me a hard time, I'm not going to walk away. Actually, what I'm going to do is press in a bit more in prayer for them because I want to see something happen in their life. So how was Jesus with people in any given moment? The next minute he's got somebody poor and needy who's wanting something from him. The next minute it's somebody who's sick who needs healing. And in any given day, when you look through the Gospels, one minute Jesus is with the disciples and followers, teaching, encouraging, building. The next minute he's with the crowd, sharing the, about the good news of the kingdom and what it means to be part of that. The next minute there's religious things coming against him to try and kind of suppress him and shut him down and make him silent. The next thing he's got a sick or a cripple or somebody else in front of him and he's constantly, what is he doing? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's he wanting to do all the time? Reveal the Father, reveal the Father. You haven't seen him, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what does it mean to be Christ-like? What does it mean going forward to be Christ-like as believers, as a church, in terms of impacting the people around us, our community, the town, the region, and, and then the nation beyond that? As he is, so are we in this world. So when people come into contact with us, they, they taste something of the Father. See, the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus and then Jesus will always point us to the Father. And so we want people to encounter something of God when, he's, when they come across our lives. And so we want to be people that are encountering God on an ongoing basis then so that we carry the presence of God in a fresh way. We want to allow God to work in our hearts. How did Jesus then, another question, how did he face and handle the pressures and issues of the day? There are a lot of issues of the day going on at the moment. From a Christian point of view, uh, we don't agree with in terms of society and culture and, and, and without picking individual things out. There's lots of things going on that are changing uh, in an accelerating way. So how do we face and handle some of those pressures and issues? 
What would Jesus do? What would he be like if he was alive right now, walking on the earth? How would he be with people and with the issues of the day? And so we're going to look at some of those in the next few months. Some of the challenging issues that are going on and how do we as believers, how do we, not just what we believe, because I think if I ask that question, what do you believe about certain things? We all know what the answer would be. So it's not necessarily what do we believe. Do we believe that, you know, all the gender identity stuff, do we agree? Well, we all, we all know what the Bible says about God's created man and woman, male and female. That's your DNA. You're either a man or a woman. That's it. It's that simple. God has kept things simple. Man complicates everything. We know that's that simple. So we know what we believe. The thing is, how do we express that and live that out now with all the stuff that's going on? Okay? So we want to look at some of those things, some of the issues of the day. It's interesting, when you read Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount or Mount of Beatitude, the Sermon on the Mount, and, the, and what he talks about in those few chapters, when you read them all, Jesus is actually addressing the issue of the heart. It's very easy to address an issue as an issue. But actually, Jesus always went beyond the issue and went to the root of the, 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 the cause of the problem. And he went to the issue of the human heart. Because that's from the overflow of the heart. That's where all the issues of life come from, isn't it? And that's going on out there in people's lives. So that's why it's so important that we allow God in our relationship with him and together as a church, we allow him to work in our hearts and lives so there are no edges. that we're not really nice and kind and generous one minute, but we're cut like a knife to somebody in the next or whatever. But actually we're allowing his heart to work in our heart so that whatever you know, comes up, we, we deal with situations or live in the midst of challenges in the way that God wants us to. So how did Jesus live in those environments? So what did he say? What did he speak about? What did he preach and teach? And what did he focus on? Because they're the things that we need to focus on. Jesus was very practical, very real, and he related to the everyday situations of people's lives. So we don't just want to preach a gospel that has theory to it. We want to, we want to live a gospel that has a reality to it that other people can see. They're not interested in some of the things we say. Some people just say, does it work? Does what you believe work? Is God real? Because we can say all sorts of things to people but a lot of the time people want to know, is this real? Does it work, what you're telling me? And, uh, and so we want to take the reality of who God is out into the world. Another thing, you know, what are some of the commands that Jesus gave? Uh, everything he commanded, he was already living himself. We've got to remember, Jesus was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit in terms of what he was living. So it wasn't that he was just God in human form, so therefore that enabled him to live in the way that he did. He had to submit himself and humble himself. And, and it talks about that in Philippians, doesn't it? Where uh, it says <clears throat> that he made himself nothing, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he, he understood in all the weakness of his humanity, he needed to be totally dependent on the Holy Spirit 
to live in the way that the father wanted in that culture and in the day that he was in. So what did he, what does he command us to do? And when he brings commands, he's not asking us to live those commands out in our own strength. He's saying, I want you to live those commands, living in a place of rest, a place of total trust and dependence. So God wants to take us on a, on a journey, how to depend on him in a fresh way so that we live like Jesus in this, in this season. Another aspect of, of living like Jesus is how did he pray? There are a number of different scriptures. He, he prayed uh, effectively and fervently. He prayed with loud cries and tears. Uh, maybe some of you think, well, that's not my style. Well, I don't pray with loud cries and tears. One of the things that God wants us to become is a praying church. In order to see what God wants to see happen, yes, we live in the rest and it's God that does the work. But there are some kingdom principles that are at work or, or do work. And one of those things is prayer. And so therefore, as, as believers, we pray, we engage with God in prayer to pray his will to be on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus prayed in certain ways. And so therefore we want to allow the Holy Spirit to, to teach us how to pray so we become a praying church. Now we, we, we have some praying people in the church. I'm, I'm just being honest this morning if I can. Is that all right? Some people in this church are praying people. And some people in this church pray prayers but at this moment we are not a praying church if we're going to see breakthroughs and break out if we're really going to see the harvest if we're really going to in, and this isn't just about seeing a few people saved this is about contending for our nation because we are at a tipping point a huge tipping point at this moment in our nation and what's going on all Brexit has done is just show all the division that is already there in our nation. Brexit has not divided our nation. The division was already there. And you see it in everything. Our, our two main political parties, they're, they're both divided right down the middle. They're, 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 they're schisms within those things. The business world are divided over Brexit. Should we stay in? Should we go out? Uh, just about every facet that can be impacted by it, there's either in or out. And there's so much division and faction that is going on in our nation. The enemy loves it. Because the enemy loves to steal, kill and destroy. He's the one that wants to divide. He wants to cause angst and issues and all of that. And, and we're here to see God's kingdom come. And in order to see that, we need to engage with God in a fresh way in prayer as a church. Now, God wants to release or increase, if let's put it this way, he wants to increase the release of the spirit of prayer on us as a church. But you'll only see that release in your life personally when you pray. God doesn't release anything into our lives if we're not already engaging with him to see that take place. So by saying, God, I want a spirit of prayer, he says, okay, pray then, begin to pray. And in order to see a release like that in our lives, we have to position ourselves in a place for God to then release what he wants to release. Now you might say, well, I'm not really a praying person. And we could all say that because in our natural selves, none of us can pray. We're not born praying people. We're born sinners. 
But it's when God puts His Holy Spirit on the inside of us that then He enables us to be, not just to do, but to be who He's called us to be. And therefore, in terms of prayer, He's called us to be a praying people. We heard Phil say earlier, God's called us to be a house of prayer for all nations, a house of prayer for our community, our nation or whatever. And therefore, we have to engage with God then in prayer. Your flesh does not want to pray. Your spirit does, but your flesh doesn't. And, and what is Lord in your life when it comes to prayer? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? So there's a call to pray this autumn. There's a call for us as a church to pray and, and allow the spirit of prayer to come upon us in a way that it's not at the moment. You can come to, one, you can come to some prayer meetings because people who are there, they want to be there and it can be powerful and it can be, there can be an amazing release of what God wants to do. But God wants that on the whole body going forward. Amen. 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 Are you glad you came today? So, when it comes to things like, you know, impacts or whatever other prayer meetings we have, I know, I know some of you, it, it, you, you know it's happening, you're there, whatever. I know for some, you come sometimes, some others. I know for others, it probably goes over your head. We talk about impact, you go, well, I don't go to those, I just do something else or whatever. I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you, engage with God. It's not a prayer meeting. It's engaging with God and his purposes and what he wants to do. And in this church, any church, every life matters. The spiritual temperature of a church is determined more by the people responding to what God is saying than just how the leaders are. Because we're called to be a body. And uh, I know sometimes for certain things, people can't be at things because like, you've got kids and this and that and the other. But it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, we do what we want to do. And, uh, and we make space for the things we really want to do. And so all of this stuff comes out of an encounter with God, a revelation of who he is. When you encounter Jesus in a fresh way and you allow him to do whatever he does, something changes on the inside of you and therefore your actions change, your decisions change in and around that, okay? So uh, honestly, you know, we've we, we just got to step up a few gears in prayer as a church. And because uh, if I'm honest, we're limping at the moment in prayer. And, uh, and, and we need to, there's some good stuff that goes on, but just as a body, we need a fresh release of prayer, uh, which again, comes out of a, an encounter with God, but we still need to position ourselves for what he wants to, to do, okay? Um, so Jesus, uh, he was a man of prayer, and uh, some of the way that we pray is, is maybe, it's more than just saying words, it's, it's, uh, it's a dynamic of the spirit that gets released in us when we uh, when we pray, okay? Um, so that's, that's there. Chuck that out, lob that, and um, you can process that one. And <clears throat> then in John 1, uh, 14, what does it say there? It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if we're going to live like Jesus, then Jesus came and He lived full of grace and truth. It says... Jesus came from the Father. So if Jesus lived full of grace and truth, then the Father must be full of grace and truth. So we want to be like, it's interesting it talks about grace before truth. So Jesus came with grace and the truth came in the context of grace. Not the truth just came and then there was a bit of grace with it, but Jesus came as a man of grace. 
and uh, a man <clears throat> and the truth came with the grace. Now, with that whole context, it says here, he made his dwelling amongst us. Apart from when Jesus went off on his own to pray, what we seem to read about in the Gospels, that the rest of the time he, he lived with others. He was in community. Community with the believers, with the disciples, with the 12, or with the, the bigger number that were going around uh, with him. And uh, he lived in community. He shared his life openly with those that were around him because he wanted to model what it was like to know the Father. He wanted to model what it was like to love one another because he says in, in John 13, the new command I give you, love one another. In the same way that I have loved you, now you must love one another. So, and then the world's going to see. So there's a, an, a massive evangelistic dynamic in loving one another. That in, the, in, our, in our thinking, things, well, hang on, that's the opposite. Shouldn't we be going out and just preaching the gospel? How does loving one another show the world that we're his disciples? Well, there's not a love out there that is the same kind of love that God has put in us. That when we love one another, the, the church loving one another, there's nothing else like it out there. And when people encounter that and experience that, um, that is, that's reveals who God is, or one aspect of really who God is into people's lives. So part of the way we live in community is in small groups. And obviously today and next week, uh, sign up Sundays uh, in small groups. And Jesus lived in community with others because when you share your life with one another, uh, there's no... There's no room to, to hide in that sense. When we live in relationships that are, are, are solid, dependable, uh, safe environments, that's when the enemy then can't keep a hook in our souls or in our lives in different ways because we're living in, in relationships with others where we're encouraging, championing each other, standing with each other. When one's up and the other one's down, the person who's up helps to lift the other. A few weeks later, it might be the other way around. We're lifting, standing with each other. Somebody's going through a tough time, we're here with you. You know, and, and, and what does love do? Love doesn't reject, does it? Love actually gathers and draws people uh, together. So small group and the whole community aspect of what small group is all about are key in the life of the church. And obviously there's sign-ups today and you can... Look at what is uh, all the different groups. There's a couple of new ones that are uh, kind of opening up. Uh, one is called Arts Infused, and that's going to be looking at a whole load of creativity around music and dance and drama, art, creative writing and film, a whole lot of creative stuff uh, that, that uh, people can come together with and, uh, and how God wants to express that and release that to, uh, to impact lives in the church and outside of the church, okay? So if you're interested in that creative side, you can go and find out about that this morning and what that's all about. And then there's another one that's starting this really geared around uh, kind of meeting together uh, around food, which all of them seem to have a bit of food in. But uh, it says that people are really invited to spend time with one another, sharing lives, open up lives together around kind of hospitality and uh, around food and everything, but, to, but uh, for families... Uh, to meet together and to, to really open up our lives to one another in terms of sharing our hearts and lives going forward and standing with one another in different different ways, okay? There are a bit limited numbers because of the house and everything that that's meeting in, but if you're interested in finding out about that, you can at the, at the back there, okay? And there's lots of other groups to be part of, men's ones, women's ones, prayer, discipleship, getting into the word, different interests and hobbies, reaching out to unsaved people in different different ways, okay? Um, so just to finish this morning, I've got loads more, but just from a time point of view, you might be saying, great, I'm glad you're going to finish. Um, but John chapter 12, listen to this. 
Jesus says, verse 47, as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not, does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. So judgment, God's judgment is on hold until judgment day. God is not judging the nations now or any people group, uh, uh, people group or anything like that. What's going on now in the world is God's mercy is over the planet. And there, because God is saying, I want, us, I want people to be saved, I want people to know me, I want people to be with me for eternity. So his mercy is a thing that he's extending over the nations now. One day there'll be a judgment day. This is what Jesus is saying here. And if people don't respond to the words of Jesus, then, then the one who rejects me does not accept my words. That very word will condemn him at the last day. So until somebody's dying breath, there's still an opportunity for them to be born again and come to know Jesus. But Jesus said, I didn't speak my own, on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. That's really important going forward. If we want to be like Jesus, as we said right at the beginning this morning, it's not just what he said and what he did. It's how he said what he said and how he did what he did. Let's just stand together, shall we? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Now, all of us would say in the room, I want to be like Jesus. And over the next few months, some of what, or what God's going to be saying... Some of his word from the Bible, his word is challenging to our hearts and lives. Some of it is encouraging, lifts, strengthens, exhorts us. And we need both the challenge and the encouragement from God's word. If, if we ever, if we only ever get encouragement then it's easy to get into, a, well, I'm doing all right, everything's great, everything's brilliant. And it's easy for then some seeds of things to get into our lives that actually cause us to go off to the left and right. If we just have challenge all the time, and it's just, you're not there, you're not here, you should be this, you should be that, you should be the other, la, 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 or, or whatever, or this, you know, if it's just challenge all the time, then you feel battered after a while, and it feels like, oh man, is, is there not anything good going on in my life, you know? And so walking with Jesus, there's the challenge, which is the pruning. He speaks because he wants, he, what is he doing when he prunes? He's working in us so that we are like him. He's pruning so that we're aware, actually there's an attitude in there that's not quite right. So I want to prune that. And then we work with him and say, Father, I want to submit that. I should have forgiven me. I don't want that attitude in my heart. So would you prune that in me right now and cut off that thing that will not bear any fruit? And it, so it's burnt, as it says in John 15. Instead, Father, is, uh, then I want to embrace who you are because then, then comes the encouragement when we respond to God 
okay, and, and we allow him to do the work, then there's that fresh place of revelation of who he is, that total well-being and peace in our hearts and lives. So there's challenge and encouragement. And so during this season, we're going to get both because that's how God works and speaks. So we want to embrace the challenge that changes us, but then we embrace the encouragement that enables us to move forward in the momentum that God wants to move us forward in. And so firstly, it'd be great this morning, just say, Father, I thank you for the challenge and also I thank you for the encouragement. Holy Spirit, thank you for the pruning, but thank you for the fruitfulness. Maybe this morning, we haven't touched on like something really specific like we will do over the coming months, but it is about the heart at the end of the day. And whatever's going on in our heart determines how we live. And what's going on in our heart is connected to what's going on in our head. And what's going on in our head is connected with what's going on in our, our heart. So we want to, how Jesus, how did you, obviously he was the Christ, so he, but we want to live with the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. So maybe just say to the Lord this morning, at the beginning of this new season, Father, I want to live like Jesus in this season. I invite you to prune what needs pruning so that I can move into the fruitfulness that you've called me to bear in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my workplace, wherever I am, Father, I want to be that light and I want to be that life. So Holy Spirit, would you lead and guide me this autumn? Would you lead and guide us this autumn? as you reveal more of Jesus and then Jesus points us to the Father. We thank you, Father, for everything you want to release in our lives, the breakthroughs and the breakouts and the salvations and the healings and whatever you want to do in and around our lives and through us as a body, the doors you want to open up into other spheres and other realms. Some of people in the church here, the place where they work in business and the place of influence that you have. Father, I thank you turn the influence into effectiveness in a greater way in the autumn. Other doors you're opening up for kingdom faith in different scenarios. Father, we want to step into those things in the way that you're calling us to. To go beyond the four walls of our church, to go beyond where we've been before in terms of what you're doing, Father, through who we are as a people. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Burgess Hill. We thank you for that acceleration down there, the people that have already given their lives to you, but many others that are yet to know you and what gets established through the, in the rest of this year in Burgess Hill. Father, we thank you for what you want to release next year in 2019 that we're yet to step into, but what we see happening in the, the next few months is going to launch us into 2019 and everything you want to do next year. Father, we thank you for a fresh release of grace upon who we are. You know, God's grace is on our lives. And when we respond to him in regards to what he says, then he releases even more grace to, to enable us to, to do and to see what he's speaking about. So we want to move with God. And when, you, when we move with him, he can guide us in the right direction. When we stand still, he can only point us in the right direction. So, Father, I thank you for a church on the move with you. I thank you for every congregation being on the move with you. 
Father, I thank you that for every individual being on the move with you. Father, I thank you for a fresh momentum and movement in the life of the church as we encounter you, as we meet with you, as you reveal who you are into our lives, as we encounter you in your holiness, as we encounter you in, in the majestic, in the majesty of your holiness and in your awesome glory, Father, so that we see you work in wonders. Father, we thank you for that release amongst us in a fresh way. Father, we recognize that we're in a world that's going downhill fast. But yet you've called us to be part of the answer. You called us to be part of seeing things turn around, seeing the tide of a godless society turn around. Father, we know that in the natural it's absolutely impossible to see that happen. But yet your word says, with, all, with God, all things are possible. And we thank you that you're forming and shaping us as a people of faith to believe the impossible. That when you say what looks impossible, we thank you that you would find us responsive going, yes, and amen as a church. And so, Father, I thank you for a praying people in this autumn season that we become that praying people you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe just right at this moment, I know we need to close because the kids are coming back. Just say, Father, I surrender to you afresh right now. I don't belong to myself, I belong to you. Holy Spirit, would you take a hold of me afresh and move and work in my heart and life in the way that honours you, glorifies you and enables the fruitfulness of your kingdom to come through my life in a fresh way. Father, I just... Thank you for every person here. You've called us here by name. Nobody's here by mistake. I thank you, Jesus, that everybody's here. Everybody's life matters here. Everybody's part of this thing going forward. Everybody's significant in your purposes in this place. So, Father, I thank you. I just speak your goodness, your abundance, and your blessing over every individual, over every marriage, over every family, over our homes, over our workplace, everywhere we go. Father, we thank you that we carry the fragrance of who you are, the fragrance of Christ in our lives and out into the world. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you in your mighty, awesome name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.